names like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. Welcome back to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Jacob Rude, who is not Harrison Fagan. Harrison is like low key, about as injury prone this year as, as LeBron has been. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, uh, I think the booster shot elbowed him in the face yesterday, and he is <laughs> down for the count. I think it's like calling it the booster shot, for given how I've seen everybody feel afterward is kind of like calling your funny bone the funny bone. Like, it's just, <laughs> yes, it's technically, you know, it's boosting the the the, the immunity that's that's coursing inside you now. But but also, you don't feel boosted. Like, you, you, <laughs> you feel pretty crappy. <laughs> I got mine on Friday, and I was fine, but maybe mm -hmm. I'm just built different. I, the worst the worst thing that we do I know felt Harrison on, is built different in the wrong direction like they just, the worst I felt on Friday was watching the second half of that Lakers Celtics game so <laughs> maybe it was part booster shot part that was an awful game to watch Harrison is built like he was put together at Ikea like he's yeah. just <laughs> yeah I've had many an Ikea I had an Ikea dresser that just fell apart on me it was leaning sideways like yeah that that's a great description of Harrison. <laughs> Harrison is part of the groin line at Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Today on the show, uh, we are still waiting. We're recording this at 3 o'clock my time out here in Texas, 1 o'clock Pacific, uh, 4 o'clock uh, Eastern, where the league offices are sitting. And the league is still kind of dragging its feet uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, what they're going to do with LeBron and and uh any potential suspension there i saw so bleacher report tweeted out a report from shams saying that uh isaiah wright or isaiah white was uh fined almost a million dollars but then i went back through shams's uh twitter profile and didn't find anything there so uh i don't i don't know if if that I was bleacher report running with something that he said or wrote and Shams hasn't actually fully reported it yet or tweeted out whatever, or I didn't wait to, I, I didn't retweet it or anything, but I didn't wait to uh, verify that it was actually the official Bleacher Report account and not somebody who was out there just uh, trying to stir some shit up. Who knows? Uh, that's, I that's think a, he, may, he barely makes it much more than a million dollars, so yeah. I doubt they're suspending him. I think the max they can find him is 50000 Yeah. Um, I it's going to be interesting. I think LeBron will be suspended probably a game. I I could see the league. I looked it up last night, suspending Isaiah Stewart four games because that fourth mm. game is the game against the Lakers next weekend. <laughs> and I don't know that they want those two teams with him on the court again, meeting one another. He lost his shit. Um, so it's, it's funny. The, the whole the whole back and forth and everything involved with LeBron is always going to be the dumbest way that we're going to talk about it is always going to be the dumbest way. You combine that with it being the Lakers and you combine it with, you know, everything involved in, in the situation. 
And so, like, the conversation afterward was mostly annoying. You know, oh, LeBron should see five games, ten games, whatever. Uh, Jokic just got the single game for his uh, shove in the back of uh, Markeith Morris. Morris, I I believe, has not played since, uh, or 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 has you know, if he has, he hasn't he hasn't uh, played in very many games. I think he missed at least six games uh, since Jokic pushed him, or after Jokic pushed him. So it was a serious thing that Jokic did to to Markeith, which like I I think you can make an argument was actually more dangerous than what LeBron did to uh, Isaiah White, right? Yeah, punching somebody in hey, the Stewart. eye. Uh, why do I keep saying white? Yeah, anyway. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, but Isaiah Isaiah Stewart, thank you. Uh, like what what LeBron did, obviously, like negligent, bordering on dirty. Uh, it, actually dirty. I, I'm not gonna like sit here and and tell somebody that they're wrong in in calling what LeBron did dirty. Like whatever. Um, we've seen Kobe get a similar suspension for, you know, kind of a flail kind of a situation. I think he hit Manu Ginobili in the face uh, and got suspended a game for that. Uh, so, like, the precedent has kind of sort of been set there. Uh, what what I thought what Jokic did to Keefe felt dirtier uh, and more dangerous because you're dealing with a spinal injury compared to, you know, a black eye, basically, for Isaiah Stewart. Um, and And, like, the way that that escalated afterward where Isaiah Stewart made multiple attempts to get back at LeBron and get back at the Lakers and pushing Detroit Pistons staff all over the place. Shouts to that one cop who's basically just like, I'm here on overtime. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> like you could not pay me enough money to stand in front of Isaiah Stewart and try to stop him though. Well, like it's, it's like, uh, it, I always kind of laugh at the, the image of Jeff Van Gundy, like holding onto yes. <laughs> like Alonzo warnings or somebody's like leg. Um, like that's how every normal size human being looks. If you're trying to separate, you know, six, eight, 265 pound LeBron James and, Six nine, two hundred and seventy-five pound, fully shredded Isaiah Stewart. Like no human being is actually going to be able to do anything to slow either of those guys down, um, and that's why it took you know multiple Pistons staffers, Lakers and Pistons players, like all kinds of people to try to keep those guys separated, or at least because uh, I don't think LeBron one of those problems and and and, and uh, like he said he said like LeBron's not trying to fight anybody like that's not, LeBron, that's not what he's gonna unironically do. LeBron is way too rich to get into that fight yeah right and so like uh you know Stewart very clearly one of those problems and one of those problems with anybody who was not going to let him get those problems with LeBron and uh and I think you know I think there's a fair case to be made that because of the multiple attempts it wouldn't shock me if Stewart winds up getting a longer suspension oh, and, and the conversation about it will be way dumber than it was last night. <laughs> the worst, some of the worst takes I saw uh, were that Isaiah Stewart was not overreacting last night. And I was just like, listen, initially you can be mad, upset very much. So about getting uh punch in the face, mm -hmm. but like, I think some of it uh, was for camera, the hold me back fighting because he was face to face with LeBron and did nothing. Mm -hmm. And then once a bunch of guys stepped in between, he then was attempting to do stuff. 
I, but yeah, ultimately the fact that he so many times was like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. Just kidding. And like racing <laughs> after the, the Lakers again, or the fact that he like turned around and sprinted into the tunnel because he was going to try to pull a, I don't remember who did that. The Lakers and Kings long ago. Doug when Christie Shaq got into, and Rick Fox. It, yeah. When Shaq got involved, um, tried to pull one of those to race around to the other side and, and whatnot. Um, just all of that was wild. I don't recall ever seeing anything like that in a long time. <laughs> um, it, of all places for it to happen to in Detroit <laughs> was a, uh, I started uh, audibly laughing when you can hear during the fight, a PA announcer just yelling at the fans, everybody stay in your seats. <laughs> and I started audibly laughing at that. I'm like, really of all places you could do this in <laughs> it. Like it, I just wish it was still the palace because it's not. It's like the little C, Little Caesars Arena now, which like the malice at the Little Caesars doesn't quite have the same. <laughs> doesn't roll <laughs> off the tongue quite. Yeah, as usually, well. usually the malice at the Little Caesars means like it's it's what happens to your body after you eat Little Caesars pizza. Correct. Like that's. <laughs> I lived off uh, Little Caesars pizza in college. Hey man, but me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was the malice of Little Caesars afterwards. Yeah. Little Caesars, come here and get leftover pizza. <laughs> Like that's a five bucks. I'll take it. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, I, I think for, for where they're at and stuff like, you know, we're still awaiting word and, and maybe over the course of the time that we're recording this, right. We're, we're getting pretty close to after league office hours <laughs> yeah. uh, in the next like 45 minutes or so. So we'll see, uh, you know, how that, how this all plays out. I think the funniest way for this all to play out is for the league to, you know, really take their time and, Look at it with you with with great scrutiny uh, before they make any decision here on on LeBron's suspension and let that uh, decision fall on the other side of the game that the Lakers are playing on national TV against the New York Knicks. Uh, I think that would objectively be the funniest thing to have happen here. And I would applaud it. I think I would laugh and applaud. I would just say, well done. This is David Stern is proud. He is looking from on high. Uh, or not, and 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 uh, <laughs> looking and looking at at uh, Adam Silver with some of the proudest eyes uh, out there. But but that's that's basically. Yeah. We'll see how this all plays out. But what we're what Jacob and I are going to do is we're going to discuss, you know, where the Lakers are at coming off of that game, uh, how they would handle a suspension here uh, with LeBron. At most, we're talking about a game, so I don't think it's a very big deal either way. But uh, as of right now, how do you want to treat this? Do you want to treat this as if he's going? Do you think he gets suspended, or do you think uh, we we treat it as if uh, he's available? I think I think he'll be suspended because it's Adam Silver in office and not David Stern. David Stern <laughs> would just not give a damn, and he would wait until about nine thirty, ten o'clock tomorrow night, and say, "Oh, LeBron suspended for a game," and then, "Oh, he's not playing against the Indiana Pacers." So, uh, yeah, the I think he's going to be suspended. It'll probably come out right around the time we're done recording this, or so. But yep, yeah, I think he'll be suspended for the next game. Do you think he gets suspended or there's any even talk of suspension if Isaiah Stewart doesn't bleed? Uh, that's interesting. Um, maybe not. That blood made it look really, that was a <laughs> lot of blood. That, he, that was crazy. Like every time yeah. they went back to him, he had so much blood, so much more blood on his face. That I kind of think that's why the situation escalated. Like he was fine. He was fine. He was fine. And then like, you know, literally saw red. 
because yeah. there was a sheet of red on that side of his face. And, and look like, you know, I've been in fights and stuff like that. And I've seen, I've been present for fights where everything seems fine. And then somebody realized what the you're, you made me bleed. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed in myself and everybody involved for not ever, um, using the, nobody makes me make, nobody <laughs> makes me bleed my own blood. Uh, you know, clip that was, that was a big missed opportunity for everybody. Uh, but yeah, I, I really think that if Stuart doesn't bleed and doesn't, you know, gush, uh, <laughs> facial blood the way that he does, we're not even talking about this. Like, <laughs> cause I don't think, I don't think a, he escalates things if he isn't bleeding and B, if he, if it, like, I, I think they probably review it and maybe LeBron gets ejected, but I think that'd be the end of it. I don't think he'd get suspended uh, just because it, it, it looks, you know, everything about his perception, which is funny because, like, it's the same act. It's the same thing mm -hmm. that he's going to get suspended for regardless. It's just that, it you know, the outcome is very different, which, you know, obviously, like, outcome matters in, in cases, I guess, too. So, you know, there's a big difference between murder and attempted murder. Um, so. <laughs> the... Uh... <laughs> The, <laughs> what a, what a segue. Uh, I do I do agree. Uh, I think Stewart's reaction in general, the fact that it became such a big deal, kind of forces the league's hand that eh, we can't really give LeBron a slap on the wrist here. Um, yeah. I it probably would have been notable regardless because it was only the second time LeBron had ever been ejected, which is a wild stat um, for as long as he's played. But uh, yeah, I. I don't fault Stewart for having the reaction and even like mm -mm. the second reaction after he realized he was bleeding. It was just like the two or three more times he was, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then try to sprint the length of the court to run people over <laughs> when LeBron was not even around there. It was just like, yeah. that was, I appreciate him for giving us a great meme to use for a while because I've already seen terrific, uh, stuff yeah. with the video of him running the length of the court and knocking mm -hmm. people over like when they finally say food's ready at thanksgiving stuff like yeah. that so uh i appreciate that but it was silly i would i would fully expect him to be suspended longer than lebron whatever the suspensions end up being man i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sign off of twitter for like <laughs> yeah it's gonna a it's few gonna hours be... as soon as that happens it's not going to be an enjoyable discourse. All right. So let's go ahead and, uh, you know, look at the rest of the game and how it played out. Obviously, the Lakers made a comeback in the fourth quarter after being down at one point in the fourth, 15 points or so. And, uh, you know, you are working right now on a piece for Silver Screen and Roll, looking at that fourth quarter. And, you know, the, the question I have for you is, how are you balancing looking at that fourth quarter and the success that the Lakers had there, you know, without LeBron and, and against a team that had momentum and all that stuff. Um, how are you balancing that out against like, well, the Pistons are freaking terrible. So it's really hard <laughs> to, to, to make any judgments or, or analyze that situation. Uh, it, it's, I mean, admittedly it's difficult because some of the stuff that I I'm, I'm going to specifically look at, I think that was the best Russ and AD kind of played off of each other all season, probably yeah. in that fourth quarter. And that's kind of what I'm looking at. And some of it's like Russ makes a very simple cut and then no piston guards him under the rim. And that's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, 
with a competent <laughs> it like, team. It wasn't even like a, a, a cut. He just like yeah. walked into the key, turned around, was like, oh shit. <laughs> the, the first time he like cut, he like throws an entry pass to AD and you're right. He, he kind of walks like half-heartedly through the lane to clear out and then realize, oh, Corey Joseph just stopped and he's standing <laughs> under the rim wide open. And uh, after that, he realized, oh, these guys are going to keep doing this. And he just kept running to that same spot. Um, so I guess the, the kind of flip side is that even as bad as the Pistons are, the Lakers haven't really beaten those teams too often this year <laughs> yeah. either. So it's an improvement in some regard. Um, I think there are things you can take away from that uh, from that quarter. Um defensively they were finally competing and getting stops ad said after the game they still are getting beaten by straight line drives and just blow bys mm -hmm. too much that compromises the defense and forces them to start rotating he said they didn't have any of that in the fourth quarter again some of that was just some wild decision making from kate <laughs> cunningham attacking and, anthony davis yeah. in isolation <laughs> yeah kate cunningham and the jeremy grant took turns so, earnestly switching on to AD and then <laughs> deciding that they were going to take him off the dribble. This is our uh, mismatch. Yeah. That, I, it, it was, was the Leroy bizarre. Jenkins offense is what, the, what Detroit was running. <laughs> I tweeted, I don't know what the game plan was, but I tweeted after like the fourth or fifth time AD kind of stopped them. I was like, the Pistons just spent the fourth quarter realizing firsthand that AD is an elite defender. Cause I don't, I, it was inexplicable what they were doing, but they still, there were other plays earlier on in the quarter where the communication was there. The, the guys were attentive off the ball, which isn't always the case. Um, they were getting through screens and they were forcing bad shots and eighties there to clean up stuff whenever he, uh, whenever you play like that. And so there's kind of bits and moments. I think uh, Christian and I talked about this in, yesterday's show i would imagine a lot of the film room of the fourth quarter is that of that game is going to be frank vogel saying i told you so a lot <laughs> because that that's kind of what that fourth quarter ended up being especially defensively where it's like i told you guys if you would do this you get stops and then you get out in transition and the pistons were a nightmare trying to match up defensively in transition and you got a couple open mellow threes. You got AD at the rim. You had Russ attacking some. So, um, I mean, overall, the the Lakers were able to execute because the Pistons are bad. But I think a lot of the ideas and kind of concepts of what they were doing is transferable to other opponents. It's just I don't know how much faith I have in this team doing that from a game-to-game -game basis. Yeah, I think – you know, so I, I had a couple thoughts. Um, I, I went back and I rewatched um, some of the LeBron minutes to see if what I saw, what it felt like the first time around, uh, actually held true. Because I thought it was a really weird vibe to LeBron. You know, that you're coming off of a ass kicking at the hand of the Celtics, you know, and, and it's only your second game back. So you, you don't really have fatigue as, as an excuse for, like, not really trying very hard. So I wanted to see, like, before... I kind of said definitively, I just don't think he cared about that game, uh, that it was actually true. And, and yeah, I'm here to tell you guys that he didn't <laughs> care about that game. Yeah. Uh, but, but then the other thing, too, is, um, you know, I wanted to also watch that fourth quarter. And um, I, 
I, this is going to sound like, you know, drugstore psychiatrist kind of talk and, and, and this is going to sound, uh, like I'm calling Anthony Davis soft. I'm, I'm not, I, I think he's like, he has the more of a mentality of like the second best player on a team. And he kind of, uh, you know, he can set a tone. There are nights where he will just come out and be a world beater from start to finish. And in those games, you're like, holy crap, I more often, please do that, please. Um, but I also think that he's the kind of guy who, you know, if the tone is set at a place and he can uh, up his energy to match that tone, then like that's where you'll get the best AD, right? And, and, and I think here with with last night's game, the guy that I was really super impressed with defensively was Russell Westbrook. He was everywhere, and uh, and 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 like he's always capable of being everywhere. Sometimes he's almost too capable of being everywhere because it, it it can kind of backfire. Sometimes I thought he was very good at being disciplined in terms of the times he would attack and kind of uh, you know play that libero kind of defense that that you know just that wild man tasmanian devil in the middle type of defense and then also understanding like yeah i also have to be able to stay in front of my guy and be uh, a a a better team defender here and i thought last night was the best in the fourth quarter was the best example of like what that can potentially look like and i thought watching that once ad saw that another player of his ilk was that kind of committed to the defense? I thought it it really kind of acted like an, a, a multiplier multiplier effect on AD, where it was like, oh, you're here too. Oh fuck yeah, let's go, you know. And 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 that's where. And I thought you know his his approach defensively and his execution defensively really stepped up a notch. And and like again, the disclaimer here that we always have to use is it's the Detroit Pistons, you know, and. And it's Cade Cunningham in his rookie season. It's Jerry, uh, Jer- Jerrion, or is it Jeremy? Yeah. Jeremy, uh, one of the Grant brothers. And and um, like you know, if you're if you're you know hoping that it's sustainable, I think it's not sustainable that a team is going to be dumb enough to continually try to attack Anthony Davis in isolation. That's probably not going to happen again, especially with the good teams. But uh, can Russ? play with that level of energy and discipline on defense? I think so. And can AD up his discipline and, and, and that kind of energy level and then also attack on the other end of the court? I think so. Can he handle, you know, can the Lakers continue to, like every time they cut off of an Anthony Davis post-up, something good happens. It's just a matter of like, hey, somebody has to freaking cut here because he's getting double teamed and they're leaving the lane wide open for somebody to cut. And so, like, there are aspects of it that I think can carry over. And, the, and, and I'm not saying that the Lakers defend, definitely will have all of those things carry over no matter what. This is a maddening roster. This is an older roster that, uh, you know, they are just going to have their letdowns and all of that. But I, I, I do think, and I'm, I'm really curious to see how your piece comes out, that in terms of the things that made them successful in the fourth, I think some of that is, is very much repeatable. The, the question though, and, and like, you know, the, the comments after the game last night was like, oh, this could definitely be like a turning point in the season. This can, you know, this, this feels like a reset and all these things. It really harkened back to 
a season that we would all rather not think about in comparison to this one. Did you pick up some of those vibes there too with like, you know, Dwight himself being the, the somebody who said like, oh yeah, it's time, it's go time now. We got, it's, it's, it's a new season, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was, a, there was certainly a lot of that as Frank Vogel was saying, this is a type of win that can, turn a season around i immediately start thinking of mike d'antoni saying it's a new season it's for a new us. season um <clears throat> mike d'antoni only needed to say that 42 times that year to uh <laughs> eventually get it right i guess but in fairness to mike d'antoni it felt like 41 you know? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh and he wasn't there at the beginning of the season obviously so yeah he had to he had to switch things around but no um yeah, I I wrote about it after the game and I tried to kind of balance it between like this is how the Lakers are treating this game. And after the game, um, Vogel said it, uh, AD kind of talked about it potentially being a spark. Uh, DeAndre Jordan was talking about how that kind of fight could have unraveled them or brought them together. It appears to have brought them together. Mello was the one after the third quarter that told the team that we're going to find out what type of team we are here in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they say the right things and it's good for a narrative and it made for some great quotes and a great story last night, but you have to actually do stuff after that to make it feel like a new season and make it not turn out to be the same stuff that you were doing that got you to a point where you're trailing by double digits to Detroit. So I, again, there were things they did in that fourth quarter that were different. They, they played with a sense of urgency that they didn't have for the first three quarters. I think that's what I was most frustrated by through those first three quarters, even before LeBron was ejected is that they too often play like a team that, acts like it has the benefit of coasting through the regular season and not giving a damn about November regular season games, because typically they're on teams where they individually cannot give a damn about regular season games. And they have other role players that will step up and kind of bring up the energy level. And they don't have that benefit this season. Like they have to bring that energy and they just don't do it. The fourth quarter, they did it there was a probably a sense of urgency because they realized they were about to be embarrassed by one of the worst teams in the league again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I think Russ, we've kind of said this a couple of times. This is one of those games you're happy to, or you kind of trade for Russ because he can bring that energy when nobody else has it. And AD talked about it uh, last night. He said that dunk is was kind of a turning point, the dunk he had over Diallo. He said mm-hmm. up to that point, they were kind of playing with some energy. Russ had gotten things going a little bit, and then they had that dunk, and you could just sense it and feel it that after that, it felt like the tide had turned. The Lakers had way more energy. They were mm-hmm. flying around on both ends of the court, and I do think that was a turning point. But, again, like <laughs> I, you got yourself into a position where you needed to make a – wild comeback in the fourth quarter against a team that's going to be fighting for the number one pick this year. So I just don't know what to make of. I really don't have a read at all on this team this season. So they can say that it's a turning point 
it we may look back and say, yeah, that was, but I could very easily just to see just see <laughs> Tuesday. Us looking, yeah, just see us looking back uh after losing to the Knicks and Pacers to round out this road trip that oh, that was just a blip on the road. That was a fun game that is gonna be a highlight of the season because they're just bad. Yeah. No, I I I'm right there with you. Uh if anything, I would probably I would probably hedge my bets more towards this being, you know, like a uh, an outlier more than the new rule. Basically, like, look, the Lakers have to prove it. Like, they've they've oh yeah they've sleepwalked through this season to this point, and so yeah, they can say all the right things, and and in that fourth quarter, they they did all the right things that you need to do to be able to put a team away. Um, now it's just a matter of like repeating that stuff and. You know, there are people who I, I would imagine, like, look, we're fans, and fandom is more fun if, if there's more optimism involved. Um, so there are, like, to those who were saying, oh, yeah, definitely, that's going to turn the season around, I'm not here to tell you, like, oh, you sound like an idiot. I will also say, though, that, like, hey, you know, I personally am going to be more cautiously optimistic than outright optimistic about this because that's the that's the spot that the Lakers have basically put us in. Like they, we we are sitting here in a place where I don't want to stick my neck out for these guys because as soon as I walk out onto that limb, um, something is going to break, and I don't know that the Lakers are 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 have have uh, been productive enough consistently enough to make me say like, okay, well even if even even if this doesn't break right. They might, you know, they, they, there's a lesson here that they can take with them for the rest of the season. I, I don't know. Hopefully we'll see. They're talented enough and, 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 you know, they, they have been around enough to know like what you have to do in the regular season to win games. Like it's not, it's not a dumb team. It's just kind of a lazy one. Oh yeah. And I would say the pretty easy first pushback I would have against that being a turning point is that. The fourth quarter came without LeBron. Like, yeah, they they still don't seem, and you, I don't blame them because they haven't had to do it a lot. But like Russ, AD, and LeBron seem to not still have things figured out really. And mm-hmm. it would also make sense that Russ and AD are getting things figured out because they played a lot more minutes together. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can look at that first half, and you can see that there's still issues offensively with Russ and LeBron's fit together. I thought I liked the rotations Frank Vogel used in that first half because he didn't really get to do it in the second half Um, where he's, it felt like he staggered Russ and LeBron a lot more, bring THT off the bench really early in that first quarter to um, make sure Russ was out there pretty much the whole second. Uh, I think that's, kind of one of the ways you're going to have to treat this these two and stagger their minutes a bunch but Mm -hmm. i mean ultimately this team can do everything it did in the fourth quarter there's going to be minutes where russ and ad are out there but the majority of the minutes that matter it's going to be russ lebron and ad and they still haven't really shown anything close to what they did in that fourth quarter in games uh, this season so far. So that would be my kind of first immediate pushback is they still need to do this with LeBron because it hasn't looked anywhere near as smooth as it did with Russ and AD last night as it did when you include LeBron. Yeah. 
Uh, stat of the day today is is a fun one. So our our friend over at Golden State of Mind, Brady Klopfer, is um, is keeping keeping track of uh, the various stats, the the most popular counting stats: points, um, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, offensive rebounds, free throws attempted, uh, and and he's figuring out who's going to go the longest into the season with with some of these stats. Um, there is a Laker on this list. Have you seen this list yet, Jacob? I have not. All right. So if you had to guess that there is a Laker who has played this entire season and either doesn't have a point, doesn't have a rebound, doesn't have an assist, a steal, a block, an offensive rebound, or a free throw attempted, who would you guess uh, would 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 be on that list? Who? Um, I would say it's going to be like a role player, I think. Maybe like Avery Bradley free throw attempted or something. It is. Avery Bradley has has played 383 minutes so far this season and not attempted a free throw. (laughs) That is staggering. (laughs) I only said that because I'm looking at an alphabetical list of the roster. I'm like, uh, Avery Bradley hasn't really done a lot, so we'll go with him. He uh, he's an interesting one. If you the NBA uh, has like matchup data, typically the day after the game where you can look back who defended who most often um, if you go back and look at that Boston game, mm-hmm. literally everybody cooked Avery Bradley that he defended <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, in that game. I still have mixed feelings about whether he should be even in the rotation, let alone in the starting lineup, but nobody else is really playing well right now. Malik Monk is so hot and cold that it's night to night, whether you can really trust him uh kent Bazemore has fallen off the face of the earth mm-hmm. wayne ellington can't defend so right now that's your shooting guard rotation austin reeves is going to get a crap load of minutes whenever he gets back yeah i i'm i'm of the opinion because bradley's defense is overrated and he doesn't give you anything offensively that like you should get somebody on there who can actually give you something on one side of the court so I'm more of like a, I, I would probably start Ellington myself. Um, yeah. His production is a little bit more predictable and, and, and like he, he does something like, even if he isn't doing anything, he does something just by being on the court. Defenses have to care about where he's at. Um, and that, and you know, the whole point of, of putting these lineups together is to make your stars the best versions of yourself that you can. And, and I just don't think Bradley helps either. Uh, it, he doesn't help a, you know, Russ, he doesn't help. Anthony Davis, he doesn't help LeBron on either side of the court right now. So, I get, it. It reminds me. I, I remember back when I was in high school, and we would, we, we, would, you know, you uh, obviously you don't have access to the best coaches in public school, high school basketball, <laughs> you know, and and you know we had these coaches who, you know, they read all their coaching books and and they they try to, you know. Uh, impersonate basically like the good coaches that they see on TV and, and without actually knowing what makes those coaches good. So every coach loves defense, loves defense, loves effort, loves diving on the floor, taking charges, those kinds of players. And, you know, uh, doesn't necessarily care as much about like offense and, and, and being able to like run an offense and and space the floor, things that are really important. And, and every single year we have these guys who like, could barely dribble with their left hand and uh, could, you know, can barely throw a bounce pass into, into the post or anything like that. But 
they tried. They sure tried on defense. <laughs> and it didn't matter that they were actually good on defense. It was just like they looked like they tried on defense. And it's just like it's the Avery Bradley defense. He's, he's just yep. – he looks like he cares and he looks like he's trying. But the more you watch him on an individual basis, like in those team defensive settings, the more you see like the dude sucks defensively. <laughs> he just yeah. looks like he cares. Uh, so I'd rather have somebody who like, you know, may not look like he cares as much about defense, but isn't as bad you because – the other thing too with Avery Bradley is that because he looks like he cares, he always gets the toughest assignment. You know, whereas like if you have if you have Wayne Ellington out there and you put him on the toughest assignment out there on the perimeter, like that would be stupid. You would not yeah. want to do that. And 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 I just don't think that Avery Bradley is that much better, so much better defensively than Wayne Ellington that like you can just stick him on the other team's best player and say, all right, bud, have fun. Uh, and so the Lakers wind up playing smarter defense as a result of Bradley not being on the court too, because he's, you know, he's not being, he's always asked to do the toughest thing out there. So I just think, you know, get somebody out there who you don't have those kinds of expectations for, who you can play a more uh, conservative approach defensively with somebody like Ellington out there and then have somebody who can actually space the floor on the other side of the court, but they won. So Frank Vogel's going to stick with the two big lineup and Avery Bradley. And I'm going to lose my freaking mind. Yeah. The I I mean, I, I, if he comes back, Kendrick Nunn, I think is perfect for that starting shooting guard spot, but um, them being so hush hush about it has me concerned, but on Avery Bradley, uh, yeah, that, that is very much what he does, what you were saying. He will turn his guy a couple times in the backcourt and get the ball out of his hands, and then his he doesn't really do anything impactful after that. Like, at his peak in Boston, he was a really good defender, but he's lived off reputation for, I mean, since that first run with the Lakers, he was living off reputation. So three, four, five years now, he's just kind of lived off that reputation. Yeah. Um, if Maybe even longer, at, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the on-off numbers for the Lakers this season, I hadn't looked at them in a while. Uh, this doesn't include last night. For some reason, the NBA stats site hasn't updated with last night's stuff. But um, this number will go up because he was in the uh, game in that fourth quarter when the Lakers were really good. But going into last night... Avery Bradley's net rating on court was minus 12.5 in 383 minutes, which is by far the worst, four points worse than Kent Bazemore. And when he's off the court, he is, the Lakers are plus three, and there's nobody better when they're off the court. So <laughs> they are 15.5 points better when he's off the court versus on it. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it checks out. <laughs> I don't – I. I it's it's a mess because every Lakers shooting guard right now has some type of flaw with them mm -hmm. and a pretty bad one. But I do ultimately probably lean towards what you're saying is the team will approach defense differently if it's Wayne Ellington out there and you do have something on offense. Um, Malik Monk, when he's going through one of his good spells, I think is the kind of perfect combination of both sides of the floor, but he's made some wild plays in the last couple games yeah. that, uh, 
he does literally a wild card because like he could be any card in a deck at any moment. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I don't think you can remotely trust him with a starting spot right now. And then, I mean, I mentioned it a minute ago. It is killer to the Lakers that Kent Bazemore is just not playable right now because he he is exactly what you would want that shooting guard spot to be. But especially with THT healthy, he can take kind of the tougher defensive assignment Mm -hmm. and Bazemore should be able to knock down open shots. But man, I don't know if they're just simply trying to give him some time off to get himself right or if Vogel has just lost that much trust in him. He just didn't. I don't think he played last night. Um, No, he didn't. To be a healthy DNP with how many injury issues this team has right now, um, that's a problem. It's almost impressive. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's almost impressive. Like the, the fact that this guy can have so little impact on a game around him, uh, even while the Lakers are desperate for any kind of production at that position. Yep. All right. So it is now 345-ish, my time. We are still waiting for any kind of news regarding LeBron James. Doesn't look like, look like we're going to get it here. Uh, while we record this episode of the Lakers Lounge, I am still I still have to record uh, the lowdown, so I'll probably wait to get some kind of clarity on that situation before I record that. Uh, and and depending on what the news is there, uh, I will discuss that on on the you know tomorrow morning's episode of Lakers Lowdown. So uh, until we get to that, and and, and, uh, and until we get more clarity there, and and figure out what the what the deal is there. And maybe get a few comments from the Lakers on on everything that is going on around that team. Uh, I am Anthony Irwin. That was Jacob Rude. Thanks for stopping by the Lakers line.